Eat Me, Anonymous. <laughs> much, much like a stopped clock, even Hollywood occasionally gets it right. Despite their best efforts, sometimes they will still manage to hobble their way across the old infinite monkey. Every here and there, the land of dreams will excrete a little genre nugget that defies all odds, germinating in the cold ground until it becomes a gem. Like the men who sought their fortune in the great western gold rush, today we too will pan the icy waters in search of our own little reward. Join us, won't you? And remember, if you get hungry, there's plenty of meat to go around. It's Loathsome Things, a horror movie podcast. And I am John, and with me as always is my co-host Josh. Josh, how are you doing, sir? I am doing excellent. That might be the best intro we've ever had on this show. That was exquisite, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I'm I'm just I'm just basking in the glow of that. That was awesome. And so very thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm uh anticipating our biannual cult snap that renders the state unfunctional. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I like cold weather. people. Yeah. I like cold weather. I don't like freezing in my home, so. (laughs) Yes. What is this, all of this meat stuff that you're talking about, Mr. Eat Me Anonymous? Well, as it turns out, uh, we are covering this week a a little Hollywood film from 1999 directed by Antonia Bird. The film is Ravenous, and uh, it is a horror comedy. Describe it. I guess you would say, yeah, a Western horror comedy based on the Donner Party and uh, Alfred Packer, who was a mythological, well, he's a real guy, but there was kind of a myth about him eating five dudes in Colorado back in the day. And inspired uh, the team name for the Green Bay Packers. Yes. Uh, This movie ties in oddly with um, uh, a book that I just finished called The Hunger by Almakatsu, which is Mm -hmm. a horror novel, of course, based on the Donner Party, except, and it's very similar to Ravenous in the sense that they, you know, uh, well, we'll get into it, it, you know, because you've already watched the movie, so you know what we're where we're going anyway. Um, That's true. Yeah, it also reminded me of the Society of Snow, which is the movie about the Uruguayan rugby team that crashed in the Andes back in the seventies, and the survivors had to resort to eating the dead in order to uh, to live, and uh, yeah, all that is stuff. Is that what that movie is about? Oh yes. my god, it's so good. <laughs> It's really good. I've been seeing that trailer automatically play in my Netflix before I canceled it. Now it's like, wow, that they just make it look so boring. I don't, I had no idea it was about that. It's actually really good and uh, very pretty accurate. I mean, according like if you compare the snapshots they're taking, like, like one guy's taking snapshots to preserve it, so in case they survive, you know, they have something to remember their wonderful experience of eating people. And so he takes a bunch of snapshots in the movie. And then at the end of the movie, you see some of those snapshots. They're exactly, I mean, they staged them perfectly. You know, it's it's crazy. Like all the actors, you know, are like doing their thing. And then the guy's like, hey, I'm going to take a picture. And they all kind of stop and look at the camera. It's just like the pictures. It's crazy. (laughs) Holy crap. That's awesome. It's a great movie. Yeah. One day when I get Netflix again, I'll have to watch it. 
Yeah, so I don't know why. I guess I, I'll be eating human flesh soon since that's been swirling around in, in my life for some reason. Uh, what are you going to do? I mean, I, I hear it's tasty. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's maybe it's because the power will go out and we'll run out of food and yeah, yeah we'll have to eat the dead. Yeah. The good news is also here in America, you know that the meat will be very well marbled. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Wonderful veins of fat. <laughs> it's just, yeah, we fatten them up, keep them docile, make them stand still for a long time. Mmm, that's good, tender, marbled meat. Them's good eating. <laughs> All right, let's go through the things. Um, Antonia Bird was primarily a British TV director, but the 90s saw Bird break out into the world of theatrical release cinema with such hits as Mad Love, a rom-com starring Drew Barrymore and Chris O'Donnell. This was her final theatrically released film, though she continued to direct and produce until her untimely death on the 24th of October 2013 at the hands of Antonia Cat. Yeah, she, uh, yeah, yeah she... <laughs> <laughs> That's right. She uh, had cancer, I think. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. That was unfortunate. Yeah. But yeah, really? she 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 got signed on to this movie uh, because the guy that was originally uh, set up to be the director who, uh, let's see, his name was like Shukaflok Thorkensnarch. He's Macedonian. That's right. He uh, was sacked after two weeks. And then they, uh, Robert Carlyle, who, you know, had signed on to do this. Uh, has done a lot of work with Antonia Bird, so he recommended her, and it was a great pick. I mean, she really did a, a great job. Um, so yeah, so Robert Carlyle is in this movie, who you I'm sure remember from Train Spotting and 28, 28 Weeks Later, and of course the Full Monty, <laughs> and all one hundred and fifty six episodes of Once Upon a Time, in which he played Rumpelstiltskin. Incredible! I love this dude. He's, yeah. he's he's great, and he's he's fucking like at his best in this movie. He's I mean oh, yeah. he's yeah. just gleefully being horrible. It's wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that scene that we're gonna get to outside of the cave where he's just getting after it. I don't I don't know how he tapped into that, but uh, it was probably cocaine. Yeah, yeah, it's, that would be a safe <laughs> bet. Um, the movie also stars uh, Guy Pierce as Captain John Boyd. Of course, you guys know him from Me Memento, uh, L.A. Confidential. Uh, he played uh, Wayland in the Alien Covenant and Prometheus movies. Probably wouldn't recognize him as he was. He was wearing a lot of rubber. <laughs> And he was also in a movie uh, by an Australian director named John Hillcote called The Proposition, which was written by Nick Cave, the musician. That movie is awesome. It's a uh, like an Australian Western. Uh, that's, a, that's a really good movie that a lot of people don't know about. I would highly recommend that one. Uh, nice. Who else is in this thing? Let's see. We've got David Courtney Cox Arquette <laughs> and uh, Jeffrey, the principal from Ferris Bueller Jones. Yep. That's right, Jeremy Davies, who was in Lost and Saving Private Ryan and uh, American yeah. Gods, a bunch of good things. Yeah, yeah, there's a whole bunch of actors in here that made me go, where do I know that guy from? And then whenever I looked up where I knew that guy from, I was like, oh, that's disappointing. <laughs> I know, it's like Arquette, I was like, oh, the Scream franchise, great. And then, yeah. I was like, oh, he was in Pee-wee's Big Adventure? He must have been like 12. And uh, he was a... <laughs> oh, wow, <laughs> 
yeah. he was in Bone Tomahawk. Bone Tomahawk was great. And uh, yeah, I liked that. Well, it was good. I don't know if it was great, but it was good. And uh, he yeah. was also in a, a in Bar Wrestling Thirty Eight. I don't, I don't. Apparently, he's like a wrestling guy. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a weird thing um, because yeah, he decided that he was going to get into brutal fighting, uh, which is weird because he is married to Courtney Cox, and on the series Friends, she ends up in a relationship with a dude that gets into MMA and gets his ass handed to him all the time. So it was like, oh, art imitates art or something. I like David Arquette because he's probably the, I I don't know, the least talented of the well-known Arquette clan, uh, which includes Rosanna Arquette, who was the subject of the absolutely delightful Toto song. And... uh, Patricia Arquette, who was in um, a bunch of stuff that I forget the name of, but she's pretty cool. I like her a lot. And then, of course, their sibling, uh, I forget what her name was, uh, born male, changed, transitioned over to Alexis Arquette. And oh, I had no she, idea. She, I think, if I remember correctly, she's passed away. She died some horrible way, so... Uh, Jesus. Rest in peace to that, Arquette. And, uh... <laughs> oh, by the way, Jeffrey Jones, in case you don't know, uh, is is also known for uh, getting arrested and convicted of taking sexual photos of a 14-year-old. Hey! <laughs> Thanks well. so much for ruining that dude, because he's a lot of fun on screen, not so much fun off screen. No! Man, could you imagine... Getting invited to his house, and he's like, hey, I've got something I want to show you. (laughs) Are you into photography? I do like photography, Jeffrey. (laughs) (laughs) I consider it a hobby. (laughs) In true Hollywood fashion, he's still around, so... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, of course, Uh, it's fine. (laughs) The music was done by uh, Michael Nyman and Damon Albarn from uh, Blur, and... I mean, Albarn is one of those guys who... He's almost like a cipher, like he... You know, Blur is the, is an inf- the infamous Britpop band that could go anywhere from brilliant to unbearable. And, you know, and he's the guy that basically masterminded the whole Gorillaz project. And, oh, nice. And he does some really cool, you know, soundtrack music. And, and then Michael Nyman did, like, sound, he's done a bunch of stuff. He did the piano and a bunch of crap. So the, the soundtrack's great. It, the music is... Oh, man. Music's hilarious. Like, it... it <laughs> It's, I mean, there's scenes that probably wouldn't be particularly funny, but the music just makes it hilarious. I don't know. It's, it's, this, this movie is a, is, is a movie that I think Hollywood just finally was like, just make the fucking thing and let's get it over with. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't really make any money, but it's really grown into, to, I think, a well deserved cult classic status. Um, I love this movie. Every time I watch it, I enjoy it. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I'm so glad it was made and the heck that Hollywood actually, you know, let it happen because they have a tendency to take a shit on cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. This, this movie's wild. I would recommend everyone go read the Wikipedia page for this because like the facts surrounding it are wild. The, the, the cool yeah. trivia is awesome, including, I think you missed, uh, you missed one. Antonia Bird was actually the third director for this movie. Cause oh, is that right? Yeah. She's the third. Yeah. The first guy was there for two weeks and he was complaining and quit. And she's even gone on record as saying that, oh no, it wasn't that guy's fault. 
what's going on with this movie is complete shit. It was like enough that she was like, no, I'm done with doing Hollywood theatrical movies. I'm going to go back to my comfort zone of making like four T four British TV movies. Like this was it for yeah. her. And, uh, and yeah, and, and apparently the filming conditions were terrible and the weird level of like Hollywood, like studio direct control on everything was terrible. The script was one of three scripts that the dude that wrote it had written in a week. And, um, it was just like things, everything was terrible, but they managed to piece it together. But also Antonia Bird, I don't believe is a huge fan of this or was a huge fan of the soundtrack because a lot of the stuff that they did around that, they added in later after she was done with the project. And then when she watched the movie, she was like, wow, they made it real different. Okay, cool. Yeah, I guess I, I guess she might've been going for a more, kind of somber vibe and they they made it they gave it this kind of zany like carnival sound to it but it you know i mean for someone who wasn't involved in the project and has you know it just accepts it at face value i think the music's fantastic oh man yeah that 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 banjo riff it's really straightforward and basic but it just feels like it's building up to something you're like oh man yeah this is about to get really good and then they're just like and now some accordion accompaniment and it's like oh okay yeah this is nice too <laughs> yeah exactly yeah that was, they shot this movie in slovakia uh you know probably to probably to save money and i'm sure they cut god knows how many corners but again it's it's still a hollywood movie it's got Hollywood production values. Uh, the gore effects are fantastic, yeah. man. We'll get into all that, but yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah. I, it looks like they look like they're miserable making this movie because it's cold as shit. You can just tell. Yeah, yeah. That was uh, one of one of the original director's complaints was about how much dust was on the costumes. He was like, "This is this is disgusting." <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect, though. I mean, they're out in the. You know, they're supposed to be fighting the Mexican-American War in the Sierra Nevadas. Yeah. It's like, yeah, pretty sure, I mean, I don't think there were any laundromats around there, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm an idiot. That's good. All right, let's Do you ever get... tell a joke and, do you ever tell a joke and think I probably didn't need to tell that one? Oh, all the time, yes, yeah. Oh, okay, good, yeah. okay, good. <laughs> my, my colleagues at work know that if I had a magic spell that I could cast at any moment, it would be the pretend Josh didn't say that joke. <laughs> forget to roast <Rosa. laughs> nice all right let's forget get into it all right yes the movie starts off we've got captain john boyd he's at a ceremony where he is being honored for single-handedly infiltrating the enemy lines and securing victory in battle uh then everyone gets down to eating undercooked steaks uh, and he pukes because the sight of Bloody Meek just does not agree with him. Uh, then we see, we get flashbacks. They're interspersed, but yeah. Boyd, uh, we find out, played dead during, like, he just fell down, like, kind of, like got down <laughs> and pretended to be dead in the middle of the battle. And then was, was loaded up into a cart of dead bodies where he was on the bottom and blood from his friend's trickled down his face and into his mouth as he was pretending to be dead. Then he said something had changed. And then he Sergeant Yorked the whole situation and defeated the entire Mexican army that was stationed <laughs> here. Single-handed victory. 
But apparently he then told the generals and whatever about this, and they're like, you're no hero. Go to California. And so he does. <laughs> he arrives at what can only be called Fort Shithole uh, in the wintry Sierra Nevadas, meets Colonel 14-year-old photography Hart, and runs who runs through the crew. You've got private religious idiot. Major drunk, private lunatic warrior, a silent indigenous woman named Martha and her brother, and private pothead Arquette. Her brother, Joseph Running Fox, played by Joseph Running Fox. Yeah. (laughs) Very authentic dude. That's the entire thing. So they run a skeleton crew during the winter because no one goes there. They make lots of jokes about welcome to sunny California. There's, There's some... There's some weird tone stuff going on through here. Like, there's there's a lot of uh, random, like, Mel Brooks-grade sound effects that get, like, popped into shots. Also, you can tell that they, like, dub stuffed in in post where they're like, you know what, we want him to say an extra little funny thing here, so why don't we just yeah. record him saying that funny thing while his back is turned to the camera and stuff like that. So this one... I would say the headphones are worth it for the music, but it also, whenever they do stuff like that, it takes you out. And in those situations, it's better on the TV. Um, Yeah. All of these things are going on outside. A stranger is seen collapsing in the snow. They bring him in. They dunk him in hot water. They have a huge pot of, like, human... To, to boil a human pot of water that they dunk him in. And then they tuck <laughs> him into bed near the fire. He wakes up the next morning and introduces himself as Calhoun. He tells the story of his Oregon Donner trail party, sheltering in a cave. He says they ate the horses, they ate his dog, then they ate their belts and their shoes. And when the first one died of hunger, they cooked and ate his legs. Then the leader, one Colonel Ives, started killing and eating everyone Calhoun then fled and abandoned a woman to the colonel's predations. And he's like, I am such a coward. I am such a coward. Um, and then Indigidude shows up. He's got a, uh, a placemat, uh, a pelt that has a picture of a Wendigo on it. He tells them about the Wendigo, tells them that it's the 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 it's a the insatiable monster that a man becomes when he eats human flesh and then everyone that's still there sets out to go save the damsel from the villain which it, that is everyone except pothead arquette and martha because they have previously gone into town for groceries yeah they need to get batteries for their camera or something i don't know yeah yeah, it's uh, it, you kind of see some of the the weaknesses in the script here. I mean, there's you know, like when Joseph that who's the native when Joseph, you know, he like he just whips out his Wendigo rug or, yeah. or whatever. Like he just that's just something he carries with him. So you know, obviously he doesn't even really explain too much. He just basically is giving the audience the basics of what a Wendigo is. Yeah. Um, and you horror fans already know that. <laughs> okay. And so uh, when they take off, like, why does this fucking guy go with them when he's basically saying there's a mythological creature out there that eats human flesh for their life force or whatever? And then he's like, so I think I'll join you on this trip. Like, dude, what the fuck? Okay. Yeah. Just 
throwing that out there. Yeah, and they leave they leave the base abandoned of anyone except, of course, for Major Knox, who is drunk and can't go anywhere. And, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and David Arquette and, and the lady named Martha yeah. hold down the fort. Well, literally. Well, they're not the even fort. there. They've left. They're they're. Oh, on, that's right. They're gone. It's, yeah. it's just Knox, right? Yeah. It's just Knox. He is ho- literally holding down the literal fort, and he is drunk. Knocks and socks. Okay, and so the 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 they they head off. They you know so they they eventually get to a point where they make camp. They're out in the mountains. Uh, Toffler is writing his hymn while they're camped out. It's really weird because Jeremy Davies is really fucking weird. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the next morning they're off. They're they're up in the mountains again. Uh, they stop for a bourbon break because yeah. Hart needs bourbon. And uh, Boyd asks Ives, uh, excuse me, asks uh, Calhoun. Calhoun. I don't know. I don't know why they put a Q in this name, but his name is Calhoun. Um, anyway, so yeah, he he is talking to Calhoun, and he's asking him about his experience, like eating a dude, and uh, yeah. curious if it may have you know changed him, maybe increased his strength, his his vigor. Or Did anything you get like bigger that. boners and, afterward? Yeah, it's just anything I should be looking forward to. I mean, you know, <laughs> hypothetically. Yeah. And uh, I love his response. Where, where he says some stuff and then he says, I seem to remember a certain virility. He's so good. <laughs> he is he's so amazing. Good. Robert Carlyle is a treasure and I don't know why he's not a bigger deal. <laughs> God, no kidding. Uh, Toffler goes off a little bit on his own, runs up over to the top of like a rock outcropping and shouts down, I found a bone. <laughs> and then he slips and falls on the rocks, fucks himself up really bad. Uh, Blondie, who is called Reich. Yeah. And I I, it, I think it's absolutely, well, this is yeah. such, I'm not going to go there. It's too stupid. Anyways, <laughs> Blondie runs over to like check on him. And, you know, he's like, he's okay. And then, of course, he's not okay. He's fucked himself up really bad. So back at the camp, uh, uh, Toffler is begging, like screaming for bourbon now. <laughs> and they're tending to his wounds. Uh, uh, Boyd comes in, brings the bourbon. He sees he sees him, like Toffler, all bleeding. And, you know, he's like, Ugh, like cringing from the blood. I wonder why. He's yeah. like, maybe he's, yeah, he's probably just scared of blood. Anyways, so um, in the middle of the night, Toffler freaks out and he claims that uh, Calhoun was licking him, yeah. <laughs> but he wakes Calhoun up to Calhoun licking him. Of blood on <laughs> <Just> his lip, <laughs> little bit of blood on his lip, and he's like, "I, I, I no, you have to understand, I was, I was having a nightmare." <laughs> it's like, I've had a lot of nightmares, dude. I never did that. So he insists that he he should be restrained. Um, you know, because you know doesn't want to lick anybody else. Yeah. So. The next day, they're back out at it. They're trekking again, and uh, and we hear Joseph uh, Running Fox mutter under his breath to somebody, Wendigo. <laughs> yeah, we get it, dude. Thanks. So they 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 come to Cal- Calhoun's grave, at grave, cave. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, this is the place where Calhoun had talked about where all this crazy shit went down, and he left uh, Mrs. whatever her name was with... Uh, I forget the guy he left there. Uh, Colonel Ives. Ives that he left? Yeah. So anyways, at the cave, he freaks the fuck out. Like, he doesn't want to enter the cave. It's, you know, he's acting terrified. Um, so the the gang posts up, and then 
they're calling out for the woman was yeah her name is Miss McCready. And there's other like yelling into the entrance of the cave. There's no response. So Hart sends Boyd and Reich into the cave uh, to go you know figure out what the fuck's going on. So they get pretty deep into the cave, and they uh, they find some blood and uh, a big hole in the ground. There's like like in the rock basically like a big hole carved. So they uh, Reich climbs down the rope that they have set up there into basically another cavern. Uh, meanwhile, back outside, Calhoun is now basically hyperventilating and like waving his arms around and <laughs> it's fucking crazy. I mean, he's just like put, he's giving such a great performance, freaking out and freaking everyone else out, you know, especially Toffler, who's right there by him, I guess. And uh, Hart is like calling out for Boyd and Reich to come back. Uh, down in the cavern, meanwhile, uh, Reich finds uh, a bunch of like personal effects and two like like bones and human carcasses hanging upside. Down. They're all gross looking. They have like looks like gelatinous body fat stuck to the bones. It's, it's really gross. Yeah. Uh, he realizes that it's a trap. Uh, drops his oil lamp, which starts a fire, which amounts to nothing, and then climbs up the rope. And they're rushing out to the mouth of the cave to warn the others that Calhoun killed everyone. Everyone. Uh, no one's left. Uh, Calhoun, in the meantime, is now digging in the dirt like a dog. Like <laughs> frantically digging in the dirt with his front hands. And uh, he digs something out of the ground. We don't see what it is. Turns out it's a big Bowie knife, which he runs up and stabs Hart right in the gut. And uh, this is the first of many gut stabs in this movie. Um, he's, he's like running the knife up his... It's like, he's just like making it hurt as much as possible. It's great. Really uh, getting it Joseph, Yeah. Joseph Running Fox throws his hatchet, uh, but instead of hitting Calhoun, he hits Hart right in the back. <laughs> Which is great. Calhoun is just, you know, basically guts Hart, kills Joseph... Uh, takes the gun away, and it takes a gun, and tries to shoot Toffler, but as it turns out, the gun is empty. So then he just casually kind of takes his cloak off and looks and looks at Toffler and goes, Run! <laughs> <laughs> and they're off to festive carnival music. <laughs> like, running into the woods shenanigans. Uh, Boyd tries to tend to Hart, who's basically dead. He's dying very close to death. Reich is like, leave him, you know, he's, it's, we can't do anything. And they take off after these guys. Uh, they, they eventually come across Toffler, who has been eviscerated and is laying on the ground. Uh, and so they take off again to go find Calhoun. They want, they're going to try and kill him, of course. They arrive at like a plateau and uh, Boyd is like, suddenly like, I, I want to go back. Uh, which again, didn't really amount to anything. That's fine. Um Reich, uh, means while, gets a knife in the chest from, uh, you know, from Ives, of course, ends up falling off this little cliff edge right where they are, down into the whatever. Uh, Boyd shoots Calhoun right in the chest, Calhoun, and uh, he looks like he's down for the count. He's on the ground, and then he starts, uh, and then he just sits up, bolt up, laughing, blood on his mouth, like coming out of his mouth. It's great. Uh <laughs> They have a face-off on the plateau. Uh, uh, 
Boyd realizes he's basically cornered. He's getting backed up. And uh, so he decides to jump, <laughs> which it's quite a fall. Yeah. Uh, and then when he gets to the bottom, he he falls through like 15 pine trees or whatever. It's just like, <laughs> it's like this montage of, of pine tree falling that never seems to end. <laughs> Then he finally lands on, like, this incline, and he starts rolling. He rolls into Reich's body, and then the two of them roll all the way down and land in this bloody heap on the ground. And it's nice and quiet for a second, you know. It's like, wow, that was crazy. And all of a sudden, Reich jumps up and tries to, like, jumps awake and tries to strangle Boyd to death, uh, and then dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cal- Calhoun watches all of this from the cliff edge and then kind of goes, eh. And then walks away. <laughs> uh, Boyd is pretty badly hurt. And uh, he's in a lot of pain. His leg is really fucked up. He can't even get up. Uh, Cal- Calhoun is down at the bottom now. He's he's climbed his way down, I guess. And he's looking for them. Uh, misses them. Boyd passes out. Wakes up in the middle of the night. And he's trying to tend to his leg. It's kind of gross here. You don't see it, but you hear these horrible sound effects. Calhoun uh, gets... Toppler's corpse, corpse, and drags it into the cave, and then he, uh, you know, he, he's basically eating him, like by the riverside and stuff. We're kind of jumping back and forth between day and night, which is kind of weird. Uh, Boyd basically eats Reich <laughs> yeah. in order to stay alive, and uh, and uh, that, yeah. So it's like, I don't know. There's, there's the, some, the whole night and day thing kind of made me think. As you know, as in other spots, that stuff was cut out and just cut out like piecemeal. So it, you know, like why is it suddenly day for Ives or whatever his name is, <laughs> Calhoun? Why is it suddenly day for him and but it's night still for whatever? Yeah, that it. So it's it's interspersed with all of these different shots of the moon, and we're watching the face of the moon change. So it's. It's implying that this is over the course of many days, or I'm sorry, many moons passing, but, like... Yeah, that's that's a good point. It just all looks like one shot of, you know, Calhoun eating by the river and one shot of him in the, you know, cave, or... It doesn't doesn't do a great job of what it's doing, but, yeah. It's, yeah, it's shots like that where you, you really can kind of feel, get the feel that this was at times was a little hackneyed, even though, talk about making the best out of it. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't, It see, that's the thing, is it doesn't really matter how long he was in the pit. What we what we get is that he's going crazy while he's in there. Yeah. And, and then we get that he, that, you know, Calhoun's eating people. It's whatever. So, yeah, he's, he's eating, he's eating the crazy guy. And then, because that lets him heal or whatever, you know, the change occurs. He crawls out of his piney pit and hikes through the snow back to Fort Shithole, where um, he has a... We don't really see... It's very strange. We know that he makes a report. Like, here's everything that I saw. He he asks Martha how to stop the Wendigo. She's not happy with him, you know, because he didn't protect her brother from death or whatever. And uh, she's like, the Wendigo only takes, he never gives, so to stop the Wendigo, you must die. Doesn't make any sense, but it's fine. Uh, 
And uh, the general from earlier, the disappointed general from earlier is there. He's like, yeah, fuck you. Why don't you change your story? Whatever. Here's your new colonel. And the new colonel that's going to take over command of Fort Shithole is there. It's Colonel Ives, which is Calhoun. And Boyd collapses at the sight of him. And uh, Colonel Ives is totally upgraded his facial hair game he now has super epic mustache like like perfectly quaffed he's looking sleek boyd is like hey that's the guy why won't anyone believe me that that's the guy and it turns out that the only person that's alive that saw calhoun was Knox, and Knox was like i don't know <laughs> so great fucking Knox. Uh, they, uh, they look for the gunshot wound because at some point he shot Calhoun outside of the cave. Um, it's not there. Uh, and then we get this shot of Boyd staring at, uh, David Arquette outside the window and he just fantasizes about going up and killing him and eating him while David Arquette is laughing. It's very strange. It is. Um, <laughs> he, he, they... Ives and Boyd confront each other outside where Ives admits to being Calhoun um, and explains his whole transition and how he's like, oh, yeah, well, I started and then it was all good. But at first I couldn't, you know, drink blood without vomiting. But now I'm like real strong and it's all good. (laughs) And uh, Boyd attacks, um, Boyd attacks Ives. Martha saves him. There's all of this stuff. There's this tension trying to be built up with um, Private Pothead and Martha knowing that Boyd wants to kill Ives and them being all on edge and and Boyd being on edge and everyone's on edge, basically, except for Knox and and Ives. It's very strange. But uh, but yeah, yeah it all culminates into this thing where uh, where Boyd tries to kill Ives. And so... Then Knox instructs Martha to go get David Arquette and the two of them together need to put Boyd under arrest. And then she can't find Pothead anywhere looking around. She finds it. She goes into the stable and it turns out that all of the horses have been killed and butchered and just bits of their body are like scattered around and uh, she goes to report that to Knox and then blood starts dripping on her face and they find there's David Arquette's body is just on the fucking rafter of their shit fort. Um, and, uh, and then it turns, so, so they arrest him. They assume it was him. Uh, there's this great shot where Martha, or, uh, uh, Knox comes into Martha's teepee because even though they're in a fort, they're still, they live in a teepee inside the fort. It's fine. And he's like, look, there's, uh, all the horses are gone, and uh, we need to go to the other fort and get the general so that he can do reinforcements so that we can transfer Boyd to an actual military prison. So someone's going to have to go on foot to the other fort. Any volunteers? And so she's like, oh, yeah. And so so she gets out of there. She leaves to go get the general and, uh, you know, Knox is drunk. Um Ives is cooking a, a stew, and, and Nux is like, oh, can I help with that? And Ives is like, yeah, perhaps you can contribute later. 
and uh, there's uh, there's a whole business with one of the sabers on the wall is missing. The whole time Boyd is like, ah, ah, in the other room. Then we see uh, Major Drunk come in. He's like, hey, how'd that door get open? He goes to close the door, and a shadow falls over him on the screen, and then we hear a shink, and then all of a sudden he's gone. <laughs> he has been killed, possibly with a saber. <laughs> shink! <laughs> Of course, they want you to think that it's it's Ives, but it's not. <laughs> Shock! It's it's Hart. Hart hey. is back. He, uh, you know, in another one of those moments in the movie, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense because I mean, mm-hmm. he should have died, but I guess he somehow managed to hang on just long enough to wend a guys. Yeah, and uh, so he's back. He kills Knox. He killed Knox. Uh, turns out he killed Cleves and the horses as well. He's. Uh, <laughs> He's so flippant about everything. It's so great. Uh, he tells his story about, you know, how how he basically is now part of Ives, you know, group of Wendigites. I don't know. Yeah. Um, he tells Boyd that, you know, he wants to bring him into the fold and uh, gives him this whole song and dance, which, you know, of course goes nowhere. But uh, then they go and they meet up with Ives, who is basically just hacking up Knox to, for yes. the stew. Yeah. And it's so great. Uh, Ives tells Boyd about how all these people are going to head west and how, you know, this will allow Ives and his his clan or whatever to feed just just selectively. You know, you don't want to don't want to eat everybody because, you know, there's families involved. Um, (laughs) He wants to bring uh, Boyd and uh, I think it's General Slauson along with him to a build a. a home that they need to have out in the country, uh, in in a country that is, quote, consuming all it can, and we merely follow. Nice. <laughs> Which is pretty brilliant. Uh, Boyd refuses to, to join Ives. He's not having it. He's just like, fuck you, whatever. So Ives stabs him in the gut, uh, you know, as per normal. Yeah. Um, we cut to night. Uh, Hart is feeding the, the gang the Knox stew. Um, Ives lets Boyd just kind of suffer and basically lays it out for him. Like, you know, well, you can sit there and bleed to death, uh, or you can, uh, eat this Knox stew, uh, live or die. And, uh, he eats the stew. (laughs) I guess he decides that, uh, he probably, you know, I don't know, maybe wants to fight Ives some more. Who can say? Anyways, uh. So they're getting ready. The end of the, the arrival of the general is imminent, and uh, Hart brings Boyd uh, more stew and tells him, you know, to eat up or whatever. And uh, Boyd and Hart have another Hart have another talk about bullshit. And then um, yeah. Boyd is like, you know, let me go, let me go, Hart. Uh, I'm I'm gonna kill Ives or whatever. So Hart, like, unchains him, tells him to take the knife, and asks Boyd to kill him. Like, after just talking about how awesome it is to be a Wendigo and how liberating it is and all this stuff, and then he's like, kill me. So he kills him. I don't know. That didn't make any sense. Yeah, it was very out of nowhere. It was like, oh, okay. Like, at least show one ten-minute, I mean, ten-second scene of heart being conflicted about you know what he you know but no he's just into it and then he wants to be killed so he gets killed 
I've yeah. seized this through the window while the blood's splashing across the glass. And uh, he, excuse me, starts fighting with Void, with Boyd. Um, and they, they, they basically immediately, like, Ives immediately, like, breaks off and hides somewhere. He's doing, like, sneaky Wendigo, like, for the camera. <laughs> Ives is wandering around trying to find him. It's kind of dumb. Uh, and then we see Ives. He's inside now. He's standing in front of the fire. He's painted a cross on his forehead in blood. And yeah. he's heading out to now confront Boyd because now it's on. And they yeah. start fighting. And they stab each other. They have a headbutt off. It's <laughs> just like a bunch of headbutting. Uh, yeah. And Boyd picks up a log and is smashing knives with it, just bashing him over the head with it. Uh, it's pretty fucking badass. This it's a great scene. fight. It's a great fight. Yeah. It's really ridiculous. Uh, there's some more stabby. Uh, the that saber thing. It's like a trident saber or something ends up in Boyd's back. Uh, he manages to get away because the roof ends up collapsing on Ives from you know this place is just shit. Uh, yeah. So Ives goes inside. Uh, I mean, Boyd goes inside. Ives ends up getting up and, you know, follows him inside. They have a face-off inside the, the hut or whatever it is. Um, Ives takes the stabby stabby sword thing out of, uh, out of Boyd's back, tosses it aside. They start to wrestle. And uh, Boyd basically tricks Ives into, like, throwing him, the, the both of them, basically into this gigantic bear trap that looks like yeah. Megalodon jaws or something. It's, he, had, <laughs> he had seen it earlier, like in a little in a little bit of needless foreshadowing. And, you know, and you're like, oh, something's going to happen with the bear trap. Um, so they're basically hugged, hugging each other, chomped together in the world's largest bear trap. And uh, they're, Ives is like basically, you know, they're both dying. And Ives is kind of impressed. <laughs> He's kind of like, oh, nicely done. And uh, he says to, to Boyd, you know, he promises that uh, if Boyd dies first, he's going to eat him. And he asks Boyd what, what he would do if Ives dies first. And uh, then he says, he tells Boyd, eat or die. And then and then after a couple of beats, he's like, eat or... <sighs> in, in like the longest exhale sigh I've ever heard. It goes on for like 10 seconds or something. And then he dies. It's, it's yeah. pretty... Pretty great, actually. It's like you're hearing the Wendigo spirit leave his body or something. I don't know. It was cool. Uh, Martha shows up and uh, sees the boys chomped together in the bear trap and just kind of is like, oh, and walks away. <laughs> Boyd, instead of eating Ives, dies. He allows himself to die. Uh, the music swells. You know, it's real dramatic. The theme comes back. It's all, you know, it's... Uh, heavy stuff and then martha just wanders off into the wilderness the camera pulls up, up like over them pulls back and the movie is over yes yes <laughs> yeah it was uh it was a delight i it was i really enjoy this movie a lot it's it's uh it's a lot of fun it it pretty fast paced it's got a couple Slow moments. Uh, it's got some wonky storytelling, as we'd mentioned. Uh, the the script is pretty bad. I mean, it's it's serviceable, but you know. But as far as like the action and the acting is is fantastic. I mean, 
it's got a lot going for it, I thought. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, yeah it's uh, it's better than we make it sound whenever we're summarizing it. I feel like the way that we summarized it made it sound really hokey and, yeah. and unlovable. Because it's not the kind of movie that's easy to retell yeah uh, because so much of it is what's going on with the soundtrack and going on on the screen that it's just it's like if we were to to do this with um you know with a uh monty python movie like it's it's not going to come across the right way yeah it's not going to be it's not going to be hilarious us talking about the jokes they tell (laughs) exactly so so yeah i i loved it i thought it was a blast uh i was surprised at first i was like first time watching it like first starting out i was like oh fuck this is like some sort of fucking dances with wolves nonsense i hate this and then like it got going and i was like oh yeah this is fun and, and then by the end i was just totally on board which is strange because i still think that the ending the way they died is the stupidest part of the whole fucking movie that bear trap really makes me angry the bear trap is absurd i've never i i mean we've seen bear traps in movies a million times and they're basically the idea of a bear trap is to snare the bear's leg not to chomp the entire fucking bear which would be logistically really difficult so yeah. it's it's so silly that they just happened to have this gigantic bear trap just perfectly sized for two dudes. <laughs> yeah. And also that they had it set in a in a closet like I don't know. Also even just the way they landed on it and the way that it closed on them doesn't make sense for it killing them like no. because they're 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 like missionary style and so like he like dropped Ives it, it's stupid. You, I, I didn't like that. But it's other than that, like the whole fight scene was great. The comedy was great. The the like the ick factor was it. It was great. I ended up. I gave this movie a three point nine out of five. It's almost turned over into four, but it just it didn't quite get there. Just because of that, um, I think there were too many cooks in this kitchen, if you will. But. It's a great watch, and I highly recommend everyone go have themselves a good time with this movie. Right on. I've seen this movie many times, uh, including back probably in 99 when it first came out. I always enjoy it. I've been through a lot in my life since 1999. Uh, yeah. But this movie has has been, like, you know, nailed it for me every time. And one of the things that I like about this movie is that it succeeds despite its, its problems. I mean, it has so many things holding it back and, and somehow manages... Yes manages to just, you know, I mean, she just did a great job given that you can, you can really tell that she was hampered and, and somehow it just, it's like it was good despite itself or something. I mean, the actors are very good. So, I mean, there's some of the best in the business. So that, that really helps, you know, yeah helps overcome things like a shitty script and stuff, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, Having said that, man, I love this movie so much. I rated it way too high. I don't even care. I gave it a 4.7. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I really love this movie. It's it's it it kind of holds like a special cultural spot for me in in movie history, especially since I I am not a big fan of a lot of 90s horror films and this one it's right in the tail end of the 90s, but it really hits for me. Wait, by the way, wasn't Final Destination 2 99 as well? 
no, Final Destination 2 was, hold on, hold on, I'm scrolling, 2003. Oh, 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 that's right, it was in the 2000s. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, see. Speaking of, they, I think 6 is supposed to come out this year, as a matter of fact. I saw oh, that in somebody's nice. list of stuff to come out. It was, there's some interesting things coming, a lot of shit, a lot of unnecessary sequels. A new Scream, a new Saw, a new Final Destination. Uh, it's just like, come on, guys. Just whatever, dicks. By the way, oh, by the way, speaking of, uh, this just popped into my head, but speaking of Netflix, uh, they just added It's Alive, the, uh, I think, I believe it's Larry Cohen's movie about the killer baby. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, that movie is fucking great. And they, they had so much shit on Netflix, and I was just scrolling through, and I'm like, that's alive? What the hell? <laughs> Netflix has turned into a really weird place. Um, lots like lots the, of Bollywood movies and yeah. shitty stuff. <laughs> yeah, of, it, it's yeah. like mostly shit like anything that comes out and it's like oh yes a netflix original like now you can count on it to be garbage yeah it's i don't know what the deal is i mean they they do have a lot of good stuff in their back catalog but you know unless you're a complete fucking masochist you're not going to go looking for it because they make it almost impossible to find anything you know like even with your list of stuff that that they present for you it's like Every time you pull it up, it's in a different fucking order. It's so annoying. I don't know. Yeah. I hate Netflix, but I watch it anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even, uh, you, so you can navigate it better in, uh, if you, like, do it, it on your computer in a yeah. browser. Yeah. Doing it on a TV is a complete nightmare. Like, especially yeah. if you're just trying to find something new to watch, because it doesn't, it wants to just keep feeding you the same things over and over again, and you have to rely on its stupid sliders. It can, all of that can go fuck itself, to be quite honest. Yeah, their algorithms are balls. Yeah, balls. <laughs> um, so, uh, 8.6 puts this movie directly between just below it is Ben Wheatley's In the Earth at 8.5 and just above it is Don Coscarelli's uh, Phantasm at 8.7. That seems that seems reasonable. Yeah, I'd, I'd put it in there. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice little sandwich. <laughs> a nice little sandwich. And <laughs> speaking of Ben Wheatley, I, I have two movies that I wanted to report on this week. Uh, one of which was the Meg, Meg, the Meg Two, the Trench, uh, by yes. uh, directed by Ben Wheatley, and it is um, perhaps unsurprisingly a pile of shit. <laughs> wow! What a shock. <laughs> yeah, as a as a person who enjoys shark movies and um yeah, it's it's just it's just fucking shit. I hated everything about that movie. Yeah, I know I know it's a money grab for him, but you know. Oh yeah. People pay attention to that shit, you know? It's like isn't that the guy that made Meg 2? You know, <laughs> like that that shit can hurt him too. Yeah, I mean, he didn't write it. It was just, hey, you want to direct this movie? We'll pay you a bunch of money. He was like, yeah, please. So so it's not like it's his project. I, I don't respect him less as an artist. I'm sure like his yeah. next like homegrown project will be great. It's just such a weird thing. Like, 
I, I don't I don't know what was going through the studio's mind that where they were like, we need to get this guy to do it. Uh, it's just, I don't know. It was weird. Also, it looked terrible. Like, there really? were parts of it where it was just like, wow, that looks like garbage. That's whatever. It's fine. Yeah, it's 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 weird the way some directors will jump around, like fucking David Gordon Green, who started out making no-budget indie movies that were really good, and then yeah. started making these stoner comedies, and some of those are kind of entertaining, or at least one of them was. Pineapple Express was fun, but... Um, oh, man. But then he made the, you know, he made the Halloween trilogy, which is contested as far as whether or not it's any good. Um, and then he made the fucking abysmal Exorcist movie, which was so bad, he's not coming back for the rest of them. <laughs> I saw that come through my feet. I was like, yep, good choice, my dude. And he, he said some bullshit like, I'm gonna be busy, I have to uh, shoot something else. Bye. Yeah, I have to wash my balls that day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, I don't care what the reason is. I just, I'm glad you're not making the the next movies because that movie sucked dick. <laughs> it's terrible. Oh, uh, I uh, speaking of exorcism, the the other movie that I watched, uh, El Conde, is um, oh. the one about Pinochet is secretly a vampire and yeah. a sex exorcism nun shows up to deal with him and it is fucking awesome is it really wow ramon hated it so that's interesting i i need to watch that i haven't seen it yet oh yeah if you're uh if you like your your south american magical realism this is top-notch uh magical realism in cinema i thought it was tremendous i, oh, no I, I do like that that's it. cool oh yeah that's cool yeah. i'll definitely watch it then and I learned all about Operation Condor. I had no idea about Operation Condor because I'm ignorant, I guess. Uh, and now I know about it and horrified about the world. I, I don't think I knew about Operation Condor either. So It's, uh, it's the whole thing with uh, South America where they, they staged a overthrow of the existing governments and oh. America was involved oh, and right. uh, it was all terrible. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Yeah, yeah the way Pinochet took yeah. over and the... The whole situation with Allende was such a nightmare. It's almost like everything's bad. Yeah, pretty much. And it's all America's fault. Yeah, we're there. <laughs> How about you? Did you watch any cool new things or other uh, not watch but m media cons doing? Yeah, cons, cons doing. I uh, cons doing. finished, I think I, excuse me, I'm going to sneeze. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. <laughs> that was good. Um, burped last time and sneezed on this one. Uh the Society of the Snow, which I mentioned, was uh, that was great. Uh, what else did I see? I, my wife and I watched a few series. Um, I, you know, it was just a bunch of uh, audiobooks for me. I mentioned that one, The Hunger by Almakatsu, which is about the the Donner Party. That was really good. Uh, it's you know a supernatural twist on it, which was kind of cool. Very similar to Ravenous in as far as the idea, not the execution. Um, I'm listening right now to a, a, a book called The Creeper, which is a uh, kind of like a folk horror written by an Irish author named A.M. Shine, who is probably about to be pretty well known because his book, The Watchers, is going to be the next Shamalama Ding Dong movie. Um, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the Watchers is a cool book. I like it a lot. Uh, I, I read uh, a book called Lingoon from a Chinese... Canadian author named Ai Zhang, and uh, that was kind of like a, a supernatural story about, 
you know, generations of uh, of a Chinese family who, you know, end up emigrating to Canada. And so it was, it's, a, I guess it's a novella, but it was really good. Um, also read The Paleontologist by Luc Dumas, which was a very strange book about a paleontologist and a essentially haunted natural science museum in a small city. It was weird. It was all right. It was pretty good. And then uh, the last one was uh, a, a book called What Kind of Mother by the author uh, Clay, Mac- Clay McLeod Chapman, who uh, wrote a really well-known book called Ghost Eaters that I didn't really care for. But What Kind of Mother was uh, an interesting story about a, a guy who loses his kid and wife and teams up with a woman who's basically a quote-unquote fortune teller just as a way to make money. She doesn't actually believe it, but then gets involved with this dude who's her old boyfriend from high school, and he believes his son is still alive even though he was found dead. And, uh, you know, you you find out why. It's, it's, it's a pretty emotional book, but it was good. So, yeah, some good stuff out there. Nice. We need to. You need to get an affiliate link for your uh, for your audiobook service, and uh, we need to be like putting that in the show notes so that you can get cash for recommending these books. Yeah, no kidding. I I was. It's the same service, but the but when I signed up for it, it was called Scribd, and uh, mm-hmm. they decided aside from like all the eBooks and audiobooks that they have, and they have a lot. Uh, they also do documents and other stuff that users can upload things like articles and it's really cool but they they switched they split off so that scribd is all that stuff that you know the more academic stuff and then all the books and audio books are now called under a service called everand whatever it's the same it's the same service but it's like 12 bucks a month and it's you know it, there's a ton of stuff and then you know when i get tired of that i just go to the Houston Public Library, and and there's a shit ton of stuff you can check out there, you know, and it's all free. So yeah, nice. it's great. It's a great service. I mean, you can you can sign up for these libraries anywhere in the anywhere basically on the internet and get a digital digital subscription, and then you can check out as many you know ebooks as you want. Read yourself to death. <laughs> yeah, and then also um, there's a, a streaming service called Canopy with yeah. a K, and it's it's also through the library system and it's just got tons of great movies and stuff on there it's fantastic yeah a lot of a lot of international stuff and indie movies and you know art house stuff uh and some some buster keaton yeah some big dollar movies too but very very well curated uh, and large collection of stuff what uh what say thee when okay i'm sorry what are you uh looking at uh, uh picking for our next movie. Uh, Our next episode will be coming out on the 4th of February, and as you all are aware, February is Black History Month, and we didn't do anything about it before, so I figured maybe we do it this time. You know, we we haven't featured a lot or any black directors uh, on this show, so I figured let's uh, let's try it out. So, uh, for our next episode, we're going to be reviewing Naya DaCosta's 2021 requel of Candyman. Oh, very nice. That's I thought about picking that one myself. Cool. Yeah. Have you seen it already? I have. Yes. It's, yeah. well, don't say anything. We'll, it's we'll get uh, to it. yeah. It's it's a remake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> requel. Yeah. It, it's it's also a sequel. It's uh. That's true. It's 
Yeah, it's it's special. But yeah, uh, yeah. I think I'm also going to end up watching a lot of the um, other Candyman movies before we talk about it, just so I can say anything about all of those. I, you know, the the original, I I wasn't interested in it when it came out. It just didn't. I don't know. I, I think it just reeked of. Hollywood excess to me, not excess, but just mm-hmm. Hollywood failure, you know, so I just never watched it. And then, you know, since I realized that I'm, you know, living much longer than I thought I would originally, I have time to go back and watch movies like Candyman. And uh, I love Candyman. That movie's awesome. Yeah. The original yeah. is a lot of fun. It's, it's. Uh, I mean, it's ridiculous, but I don't know. It's really, it's kind of a cool little movie. I don't know. The, with the original... At times, I really enjoy it. At other times, I'm super bored with right, it. Like right. sometimes, it's like oh my god, how much time are we going to spend watching a white woman feel menaced by black people? But it's fine, whatever. Right. But uh, I've I've also never seen any of the uh, sequels, yeah, so uh, I'm interested to see what that whole um, franchise has in store. I'm guessing not greatness, but we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's diminishing returns, but you know that's that's to be expected. And there's there's sometimes there's a lot of fun to be mined in these shitty sequels. So. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, go watch uh, the 2021 requel of the Candyman, and come back here in Twa Wax and uh, listen to us talk about it to you. Yeah, listen to us celebrate Black History Month, uh, a la horror horror cinema in our case. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, if I had to summarize this episode, I would say I'm I'm sorry you all have to die.